Hello, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of February 4, 2013. This is episode 180, and I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, where the healthcare marketing firm puts on the podcast. Joining me today first from Interval is... Uh, this is Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. And we have a guest with us today, Warren Johnson. Hi, Warren. Hey, thanks, guys. Hey, let me give you a little background of Warren, and then we'll um, dig in on some awesome topics. So, uh, Warren, how long have you and I known each other? At least a few years, right? Oh, yeah, a few years, I think. Social we're, media we're Twitter wise, buddies. We're Twitter buddies, I believe. We're Twitter, Twitter <laughs> pals. There's got to be a, some kind of term for that. Twitter. Twells. Twitties? Twa- <laughs> we're twitties. <laughs> well, I don't know about that one. <laughs> All right. So, Warren, just some background. Warren is Corporate Marketing Director for MidMichigan Health. Four Hospital Health System uh, based in Midland, Michigan, which is center north. Is that a fair way to put it, Warren? We like to think of it as the middle of Michigan. Okay. There you go. Middle of Michigan. Uh, I didn't know you were a graduate of Syracuse, so graduate of Syracuse University. Uh, graduate program in public relations, accredited member of PRSA. You've worked in hospital marketing for more than two decades. Wow. Uh, (laughs) We'll leverage that in a good way today. Let's see. On your window ledge, you have a die-cast Jeep Wrangler, a radio radiometer. I don't even know what that is. I'll call it a radio meteor, knowing that that is not how you pronounce it. Radometer. Radometer. What's a radometer? Well, I think it's going to be your next Christmas present from one of your staff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, seriously, what is it? You've seen these. It's like a clear glass bulb, and inside they're like uh, black and white veins, and they twirl in the sunlight. Um, I don't know if I've seen that. You've got to get out up. more. I, I guess so. <laughs> All right. So, and it's pronounced how? Redometer? Redometer. Okay. And you have a Russian bottle of Coca-Cola. What's that? What's that about? Um, I went on a trip to Russia uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union and brought that back. Back when you could actually travel with liquids in your luggage. <laughs> Are you going to crack that open someday on a special event, or is it just always going to uh, be? In? Yeah, you know, probably not. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Coke ages like wine or uh, whiskey. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, especially Soviet Union era Coke. I don't know if I <laughs> trust that. Sounds like Chris really wouldn't know about wine aging or not. It's you know he breaks it open right away. Yeah, absolutely. I try to, you know, I get that red wine right in the fridge, chill it up, and then break it open right away. <laughs> so what else can we say? Uh, Warren, you're editor of unsolicitedmarketingadvice.com. That's an awesome name. And I didn't know yeah. that. Should I have known that? Well, you go out there and you'll learn a little bit. Well, I know you have, your, you have your, what I would have considered a blog on Squidoo about hospital marketing. Right. Uh, that I've visited many times. So yeah, that's un- a good resource for hospital marketers for vendor lists and so forth. That, you know, that's Seth Godin's uh, project, um, and it's a nice little place to build free web pages. Yeah, I, that's where I think I first came to know of you because, you know, we both follow similar, you know, like the Shushmid listserv, and we're both on Twitter. And, and I remember seeing you, and you would, people would always ask, you know, the same questions over and over, not their fault, but they would, you know, they'd be new to the situation or new to hospital marketing. And and they would say, you know, what's, how should I think about CRM? And and you would refer them to what you had pulled together over time 
uh, on your Squidoo page. Uh, so really help them cut to the chase. And uh, I always found that a very valuable resource that you would help people that way. Good. Yeah, I'm also noticing that you've got an article up on your <clears throat> on your blog about delicious, and it's nice to see that uh, I'm not the only person uh, in healthcare marketing that uh, is a delicious user. Yeah. You know, I like Delicious. I think um, for a while there, there was some question about their future, but I'm yep. hoping uh, they just launched a new app for uh, the Apple platform, and it's actually kind of nice. So I'm hoping they'll have a resurgence here and add some functionality. Cool. I'll have to, I didn't know they had an iOS app. I'll take a left. Yeah. Yes, I can say that I've never encountered Delicious in my 45 years. Maybe <laughs> I should try. Maybe I should start. Yeah, the wine probably is part of that problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's delicious enough. Probably. Okay, so we have an official uh, agenda that we posted that we're going to follow, uh, but as we are want to do, as news breaks, we want to cover it. And uh, news broke yesterday on a story that we covered uh, within the last year. I honestly don't know how long ago it was, six or eight months ago. Uh, and Warren, you may be familiar with this, uh, either from the podcast or just because I'm sure it made the rounds, uh, in social media, but so in Duluth, in our home state, we had a physician, well, we had a physician's patient's relative post some, defa- you know, some negative comments online about the physician and the physician decided that his best route would be to sue. Uh, and so when this made the news, when he filed his lawsuit, uh, or somehow made the news here locally whenever six or eight months ago. And so we talked about it on, on our podcast and um, not surprisingly probably to our listeners had some pretty strong opinions about uh, Dr. David McKee's uh, defamation lawsuit and whether that was the appropriate path to take. So yesterday, this bounced around the courts for a while, and yesterday the Minnesota Supreme Court ruled against him uh, basically tossing out his suit unanimously. Uh, and so there's a number of ways to, to, to think about this. The first is, of course, thank goodness common sense prevailed. Uh, it's, it's worth noting that our chief justice is Alan Page. If you're any kind of football fan, you will recognize that name as one of the famed Vikings purple people eaters. Warren, did you know that? No, I did not. Yes, he's, he's a brilliant man, just amazing uh, so, you know, we get to, to, to read stories about him here locally because of his past, but he's just such a smart guy. Uh, so there's an awesome picture. We'll post a link to the story on the Star Tribune, but he's kind of sitting there with his hands kind of up like, eh, what do you think? You know, what do you think is going to happen when you bring a suit like this? At least that's what I read into it. Um, but what I think what is ironic about this, uh, just quickly, is, you know, A, if this doctor would have provided decent care, and when you, when you read about what he said or purportedly said, uh, it makes you cringe. Uh, if he would have, you know, at least had some decent bedside manner, this would have never happened. But certainly, if he would have handled the negative comments in a reasonable common sense manner, uh, such as reaching out to the person who posted them, uh, you know, apologizing for any confusion or whatever, uh, this would have gone away. It would have been handled the right way. But instead, he decides to sue. Uh, And so what has happened is this is now a news story multiple times over. Uh, As Robert in our office joked, every time they report about it, like they did yesterday, they have to go back over all of the negative things and bad experience that uh, the patient's son had. So it's just repeated over and over. 
And even more irony is that, uh, according to the doctor, he spent $50,000 in legal fees and another 11000 to, quote, clear his name online after the story went viral, which, of course, resulted in hundreds more negative postings about him. So <laughs> he literally took a molehill and turned it into a mountain. <laughs> is that not karmic? You know, what a, what a public relations uh, case story. Uh, yes. Case study. Just, just so bad. And what's so funny is when you read about this, the story focuses on how the court really pinned a lot of its results on the fact that you can't call what this guy said defamation because the crux of it was that he passed along a comment from somebody else that said Dr. McKee is a real tool. And here is Alan Page, referring to someone as a real tool, falls into the category of pure opinion because the term real tool cannot be reasonably interpreted as stating a fact and it cannot be proven true or false. So the legal, the whole legal crux of this is the definition of real tool, which makes it even sweeter. So I don't know. I, I thought we just had to, to wrap that up with a bow. That's lesson learned there and hopefully... You know, if folks don't listen to our podcast and take our advice in the first place, now you see what happens. Yes? I think this is a, this is a case where uh, the doctor needs to remember what Pogo said. We've met the enemy and he is us. <laughs> Pogo said that? Pogo po- said that. Pogo the cartoon character? Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. Famous cartoon strip. What we was have Pogo? Met, we have met the enemy and he is us. What is Pogo? Like, what? Like, is he an animal? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it's kind of. I don't know exactly what he is. Well, aren't his friends like turtles and things? I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. I don't even. Know. I think Pogo's still in the paper here. Is that possible? Syndicated, maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, there's a there's a little quiz question for people. Let us know what the heck Pogo is. Okay, so let's move on to uh, actually take advantage of the fact that we have a, a, an experienced healthcare marketer on the line with us. So we do have a story we want to cover uh, and dig into, but Warren, we wanted to pick your brain because, you know, you've heard our podcast and, and you know that we're out there speaking, talking to healthcare marketers. We work with quite a few healthcare organizations. Uh, and so we're always trying to pass along what we hear uh, what we think healthcare markers are struggling with, but we now have a live subject on the line. So we want to pick your brain to find out what well, you know, you're I've, I've, with. I've heard about your podcast too. You know, I think it was described as a mental brawl the last time. <laughs> Check. That's what we're thinking about. Instead of just, yes, a conversation, a mental brawl. Though there were other terms. Chaos was, was a key word too. Yes, it is, it is kind of chaos. Controlled chaos? Is that... That's totally I don't. Like I don't story. remember controlled as one of the ads. <laughs> no, no, attempted control, but I don't think that's possible with chaos. So, so let us let us ask you some questions. Are you up for that? I'm good. Go for okay. it. So let's start with some easy ones. What are you? Where do you spend your most time these days in your role? So you've got a. I know Mid Michigan Health. I think it's a a, a perfect stand-in for uh, so many systems out there. You know, you're not giant, you're not HCA, no. uh, you're also not, you know, a real small system, uh, four hospitals, good size system. 
So I think what you guys deal with is probably very close to 75 to 80% of what other healthcare marketers deal with. So, uh, you know, you're in Michigan. So I'm trying to kind of paint a way that this is going to apply to a lot of people. Uh, but, but what are you spending most of your time on? Well, you know, uh, I suppose it ebbs and flows, but most recently, uh, you know, research, uh, branding, signage, online advertising, um, and uh, perhaps most recently, you know, trying to learn Google Analytics before they change the interface again. (laughs) (laughs) You've got till Tuesday. Yeah. We're also involved with uh, a lot of work supporting physicians, supporting uh, service line products, uh, you know, uh, trying to work on the patient experience. Um, How does that compare, Chris, when you're out and about visiting uh, hospitals around the country? Yeah, I think that fits a lot of what we hear. You know, branding, of course, is such a ubiquitous term. When you say branding, what, what are you talking about first and foremost? Um, well, we're taking a look at our uh, nomenclature, you know, our, the structure of our, uh, our family of organizations. Um, we're, right now we're uh, in negotiations uh, with a partnership with the University of Michigan. So you know, there's always a potential that will affect our branding as well. Yeah, that is, I think that is, that has always been such a huge uh, challenge. And, you know, I go out there and talk about brand and talk about, you know, the brand experience and brand strategy and, and all of those things. And I can, I can recall a workshop I did at the forum a couple of years ago that was on brand strategies. So not about naming, not about architecture uh, of your names, but literally how do you build a differentiated brand in the market? Right. And this was like a, you know, poor people. It was like a three-hour workshop. So I get through all of that. And then it's time for Q and A, and I and I swear this is true. The Q and A was ninety percent what you're talking about. So after all of that, it was okay. That's all great. What do we do with this physician group we just acquired? What should we call them? And you know, we're kind of unified, but really not unified because we have this over here and that over there, and 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 so that has always been a challenge. But what you just alluded to, Warren, your potential partnership with University of Michigan. Uh, that trend is just exploding. You've got it is. Uh, oh. I mean, I think a lot of hospitals, even if they're part of a system now, uh, in the next few years, they could be looking at other partnerships, um, either with smaller or larger facilities. Uh, I, that's the driving force behind ACOs and everything else. Is you have to get bigger. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what makes this. Uh, even more challenging. We talk about the traditional. So if you if you think about what you were saying, within Mid Michigan, it's hard enough to figure out, you know, if you're if you're if a unified brand, how you stay unified. If you're trying to move to that, but these new relationships, these new ventures, whether they're ACOs, whether they're a partnership like you're mentoring, mentioning, uh, we've done work with Providence Health and Services and Swedish Health Services out west for an affiliation that they're they've entered into. Um, these provide a whole new wrinkle because uh, you're really talking about multiple organizations uh, and those organizations aren't coming together in a way where you would just basically change the name of one or multiple to all be the same. The member organizations will still have brands in the market and you have to contemplate whether the combination of those organizations is a separate brand by itself. 
Uh, that's probably not the case in, in your situation, but that's something that folks building ACOs struggle with, you know? Okay, right. so let's say mid-Michigan and University of Michigan come together to create an ACO. Do you brand that ACO? Is it literally a, a branded entity in the market, even though your organization and the University of Michigan are still out there? It's, it's really tricky to figure that out and really important to think through all the ramifications. And I think the what's coming down the pike are more complex uh, arrangements. They're not all simple uh, parent-subsidiary arrangements anymore. They're very um, convoluted in some sometimes. Well, what did we just see in the news? I think we talked about it two or three weeks ago, Chris, with, uh, was it Walgreens or uh, CVS? Some pharmacy was dipping their toes into the ACO thing somehow, and we were like, what? How exactly does that right. work? Yeah, Walgreens had created an ACO with some physician groups, and and I think to Warren's point, man, do we do we already make it confusing enough for consumers and patients? And now we're going to have all these even more complex, you know, cross organization weird things that you know most Joe Joe Publics out there have no clue what an ACO is. Uh, if an ACO is created, they're encountering it through the existing providers. So it's literally a facade or something behind the scenes. Uh, and so there are some really serious uh, considerations to be had as to whether it even makes sense to brand that separately. If you do, how is it related to the member organizations? Uh, I think in a situation like you're facing, Warren, similar you know, challenges, how much you want to leverage. Obviously, University of Michigan, uh, a well-known and respected healthcare brand. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be a benefit to your organization. But, you know, how much do you leverage it? Where do you leverage it? What is the balance so that people still respect and value the MidMichigan brand? Uh, man, it, it's very difficult to figure all that out. Do you think, Chris, that the movement is towards more monolithic or I think you call that unified branding or is it to the other end of the spectrum where, boy, this is just easier to independently brand and keep separate from all well, of our other activities? I would say separate from the trend we're talking about of these complex ventures, it's definitely moving toward unified. Uh, I think reform was part of that. Uh, you know, the idea of trying to manage public health, of wanting to be seen as a comprehensive system, not just a set of hospitals. And if you've got separate hospital brands, that's how you can come off. Uh, it's also, you know, my stance, and you probably know this, Warren, uh, in almost every case, a unified brand is, is the smarter way to go. It's more efficient. Uh, it's simpler for consumers and patients. It drives efficiencies and economies of scale. So I think folks are moving that direction. But now that you toss in um, this other angle of all these complex ventures, uh, you often don't have unified as a choice, you know, with an ACO, there will be some ACOs that are labeled uh, or branded in a way that is is reflective of maybe the, the primary provider, the system right. that's part of it. But in many cases, they're having to create something separate because that's the only way to attract other members. Uh, and the, so that's forcing them to move to almost a product uh, style where you have something completely separate in the market, uh, not even endorsed. So... Uh, I yeah, think well, that's is, that's the challenge. Is you know the easy way out is you uh, you go for the middle ground there and you try to add the tagline 
the endorsement, the uh, endorsed approach, uh, sort of like uh, check cereal, um, you know, who would know that that's a General Mills product? Well, only the people that are looking down there in the small print next to the logo. Yep, yep. And there's, you know, I, I think Unified is, is the best way to go if you can go there. But the, but these situations um, are, are taking that off the table in, in you know, for ACOs or a venture or a partnership like you're talking about. Uh, and then I think it, it's kind of, you know, open the, the cupboard and in, in what is going to work best. In some cases, it may be endorsed. In some cases, it's more product. Uh, it really depends on the situation, uh, the type of venture and that type of thing. But I would agree that it's going to make things even more complex, unfortunately, for the folks that in the end we're here for. Uh, because, you know, the more I'm a believer that to start with, that it's kind of a zero-sum game with brands in a market. So in your market, if another system propped up, that's going to dilute your brand almost by definition. Uh, and now we're talking about potentially, you know, introducing third third party brands of our own making, whether it's a venture, a partnership, an ACO. Uh, and so you don't get any more brand uh, awareness, though. You just have to share the brand awareness among the new brand. You have to share it, which which you know you're diverting resources from your own brand to to support it. It's just it's very complex, uh, yeah, and we've complex. been spending a lot of time working with True. organizations on it, but. Yeah, so I think a lot of folks are spending time on that. <clears throat> so I do, I do think that's that one alone is reflective. Uh, if you could, if you could add ten hours to the day, and assuming <laughs> that those would be applied to work and not whatever your favorite pastime is or your family, uh, what would you want to be spending that on? How could you, you know, where would you want to be spending more time if you could in yeah. healthcare marketing? You know, that's that's a that's a good question. It's one I try to ask myself uh, once in a while. Uh, you know, uh, what am I not spending enough time on? And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, we're doing some strategic planning right now for uh, marketing, and it's hard to make the time. It takes a lot of time to do good strategic planning. Um, but actually, I think that um, it might not be really the marketing-related things that I need to spend more time on. And I, I bet this is true for a lot of the people that listen to your podcast, too. And uh, we, you might want to ask them. But um, priority management, relationship management, um, those are the things that as a marketing director I should probably be spending more time on. Um, you know, the older that I get, the more I realize it's not so much this technical marketing and public relations skills uh, that are critical from day to day. It's building these relationships with people. It's being persuasive and staying on target, staying on task. Um, I'm sure that uh, you can relate to that. Yeah, I couldn't echo that more. I mean, you need to have a grasp of, of all these things and obviously be have some level of sophistication. But, boy, if you can't manage uh, those relationships, if you can't, you know, find champions for something that you want to do, position champions in so many cases, or a, a leader who believes in, for example, uh, search engine marketing, which, uh, you know, is so, such low-hanging fruit, but also isn't, there's such a, a reputation in our business, Warren, for marketing equals visibility. So the more I see billboards, the better right. you must be doing with marketing. And search engine is the opposite of that. So finding the right people who, who understand the value and effectiveness of that tool, um, you can believe in it all day long and you can try to implement it, but 
if folks still are breathing down your neck to do the other things and you can't manage or build those relationships, it's going to stymie whatever you're trying to do. Exactly. It's hard. Yeah. I think that is a huge part of it. And uh, it's difficult. I know it's, I don't know if you want to call it politics or relationship building. Uh, a lot of folks don't want to deal with that. You know, they it, just want to it do is it, politics but, and, and people give that a bad name. Like, you know, oh, that's just office politics. But, you know, what you call politics, you know, you're, administrator calls getting things done. Um, and that that's the truth of it, is you need to be better at getting things done with people yep. to be effective. So, so that's so my challenge for 2013. Speaking be more of that, effective. Speaking of, of physicians and leadership, what is your what is your A number one biggest pain in your butt? <laughs> Can you answer that honestly? Oh, gosh, you know, it's terrible to say, Chris, but it's probably working with people. Uh, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a saying, you know, if you like working with people, and I, I'm kind of like putting air quotes around that, you know, with my fingers here right now. Uh, you know, if you if you like working with people, then you probably shouldn't be in public relations. And uh, I know on the agency side, uh, we had a saying, too. It's, uh, you know, clients, you can't live with them, and you can't live without them. So, um yeah, working with people, uh, and you touched on this in your book, uh, Joe Public. You know, it's hard working with people who don't understand marketing, who you know don't take advice and so forth. Um, but you know, for me, I think the solution um, to that is uh, has probably about three parts. Um, I, you know, I, I think I need to work at developing relationships, and we probably all do. And I have to do specific things that help me grow relationships. I schedule them. I do rounding, I do lunches, I do thank you notes. And then another part is that um, I need to work at developing myself to be um, more effectively persuasive, not overbearing, but listening and matching my approach to the audience. Um, you know, better at closing the sale with uh, uh, vice presidents, with physicians, with stakeholders, and so forth. And then the last part um and I think uh, you you probably recognize this and probably do a lot of it in your work, is client education. You know, I need to incorporate client education into my work efforts, and I need to help my direct reports do the same thing too as they work with internal clients so that we can develop a base of common understanding about what marketing really is and what it's not and so forth. Yeah, I think that's that's really valuable and uh you know, I, I tell folks when they're when they raise questions about challenges that are so common. You know, I've got a physician that wants to do this, and it's you know it's not going to work. What do I do? Or a CEO doesn't get digital or whatever. Um, and, I, and part of my message is, as soon as that conflict hits, you've already lost half the battle uh, because it's really hard to move people once they're in that state of mind, which is why you need to have a long term kind of education approach uh, so that you can be helping these folks understand before that comes up why they want to do one thing or the other. And it takes patience, it takes discipline, uh, and, you know, you don't always see the benefit immediately, but it's really hard when, you know, your chief surgeon says, I want a billboard. Uh, you know, it, you can right. talk them off that ledge if it's not appropriate to do so, to have that billboard. But it can, you know, it's, you come off defensive, you're going to come off like you're not willing to work with them. Uh, the more you can do what you just talked about and build that case ahead of time, the better. 
a lot of times, uh, if you look around the organization, uh, other departments are doing this too. Uh, finance is probably one of the, the best. I mean, they have to constantly uh, educate new managers and physicians about, you know, how how these things work, how we account for stuff, and what's what we can do and what we can't do for you. And, yep, that's you know, true. Yeah, ongoing education is um, probably one of one of three key things to uh, make life easier as a a marketing manager. Well, I'm glad to hear you're doing that because I do preach that quite a bit, and I know people struggle with that because it's one more thing on their plate, and they can't even keep up with the the hundred things exactly. that are on there now, but. Uh, it's definitely worth investing in. Well, I'm gonna let's move on to the next story, but I want to thank you. I feel like Oprah or Dr. Phil or something because you've you've <laughs> opened up some veins for us and and shared, shared your inside struggle. So uh, I know that so many people will uh, be able to relate to all that. You gave some good advice too. Good. Okay, so let's move on to the story because I think I think this was something that you pulled forward, uh, Warren, and I think there's some good stuff in here and some stuff we can really uh, have some fun with. So this was from uh, PRSA, which is P-R-S-A-Y, which I assume is a e-newsletter. Is that a fair way to put it? I think this must be a uh, blog sponsored by okay. the PRSA. Okay. So the title of this is Reality Check Mobile, and I'm just going to set it up real quick. The main point of it is uh, obviously mobile is huge. It's going to change everything. Uh, but marketers need to be very careful about thinking about mobile. Uh, you know, in a, they call it like through a telescope. Don't look at this through a telescope, like many folks did with social media, blogs, whatever, where they're thinking about it in an isolated fashion. Uh, it really is something that's integrated in everything you do, and you need to think about it from that context and not as something distinct and separate. Uh, it goes on to give a lot of uh, interesting you know, insights into how they see mobile hitting us. But Warren, was there something specific or interesting to you that you wanted to start with about this article? Well, you know, I think the number, Chris, uh, that they uh, cited up front was pretty significant. By 2016, two-thirds of all Internet traffic will be viewed on a mobile device. It's, you know, mobile devices are being are ubiquitous, and I think that's probably pretty obvious, but... Sometimes we need to be hit upside the head with the obvious to really get the point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been trying to bang this drum for quite some time. Uh, and when I speak about Joe Public, uh, this is one of the things that I try to, to really convey is that, look, this, the world is changing. And uh, the challenge with – we just wrote a blog post on this. It will be posted. We'll give you the link to it. Uh, is that so many hospital markers think about mobile uh, – you know, understandably maybe because they're thinking about it in terms of, well, if you're mobile, you're moving around, you're out and about, you're walking down the street, you're driving in your car. And so when they think about, well, how do we make, for example, our web content accessible, they might create a mobile app. <clears throat> so, and that app usually has truncated content. It might, you know, feature hours and locations and maps and maybe a physician directory. And they think, good, this is, this is perfect for those people that are mobile. Uh, but as Adam is the one that this is really his soapbox, but you know, <laughs> my example is, you know, when I'm home on the couch, I'm not, you know, lifting my MacBook air, which weighs about five ounces and bringing that over. I'm, I'm surfing the internet on my iPad or my iPhone. Uh, and if I'm looking for something related to 
healthcare and I, and I search for it on my iPhone and it leads me to your website. And your website is either a mobile app that only has hours, locations, and physician directory uh, or isn't mobile optimized at all, I'm gone. And so the point is, if you're not making your entire web experience optimized for mobile, which in, in this day means uh, using responsive design so that it shows up optimized no matter what screen it's on, uh, you're going to miss so many people to use that statistic as the, the kind of burning platform. Right. It, you know, and I'm, I, I would agree totally with you. And uh, responsive design, if marketing managers don't know what that is yet, uh, they need to learn probably in the next year or so. Um, but some hospitals are, uh, you know, they're struggling uh, even to have any type of mobile presence. Um, and, um, you know, one thing that we used as a stopgap measure um, is uh, we registered a .tel domain. That's uh, period and then D-O-T. Uh, it's a new internet top-level domain that's just for contact information. And so, you know, we're transitioning. We actually just launched a mobile-friendly site. Um, you know, it's not everything it needs to be, but we, we now have a, a mobile-friendly uh, version of our website. So when people hit our website, it recognizes that they're um, coming from a mobile device and feeds them, you know, something with large buttons and, you know, smaller set of uh, information. But in the interim, we had this .tel site at midmichigan.tel. And, um, you know, you can register these .tel uh, sites and be up and running with a mobile presence in the afternoon. There's no HTML uh, L involved. Uh, you know, it's just nested data that you enter into a portal. You upload your logo, and then you're, you're good to go. So for a lot of maybe smaller hospitals, uh, or ones that, you know, are going to take a while to get to uh, responsive design, you know, this might be a stopgap measure for them or, you know, even an affordable long-term solution for some. So, Yeah, that's a great idea. And, Adam, you can chime in here too. But I think, not, you know, It's not real popular, but, um, you know, you, you have to you, – you save on the infrastructure, but then you have to do a lot of communicating, obviously, because it's a different domain extension. Sure. Yeah, and one I think you, can, you know, there, there are other there are other fairly straightforward measures you can take to get yourself you know in, into mobile to some degree without totally you know revamping your website. And one of the things that you should be doing even outside of mobile is owning your presence in the apps that people are using to find you. Uh, whether whether it's in Google Maps, uh, other map apps, whether it's in Yelp, Foursquare, you know, any Google of these, any Google of these, Plus Local, exactly. Any yeah, of these, you, any of these the tools, new Yellow Pages. Yeah, any of these tools that people are using to find you online, um, and and talk about you online. Uh, you know, it's, you, you don't necessarily need to pour the effort into some of those resources that you might pour into, say, Facebook, um, but. You should you should be aware, and you should make sure that you're present so people can find at least find you. Right. Yeah. And uh, nowadays, you can be saving money on Yellow Page advertising. You know, this is Yellow Pages is probably still constricting. There's probably still uh, money that market most hospital marketing managers can take out of their Yellow Page advertising, and they probably should turn around and put that into. Uh, you know, staff time or agency time to clean up uh, their local presence on some of those sites you mentioned. Yep, yep. 
You know, one thing that, that caught my eye, and I think, Adam, you mentioned this too in this story. We always have fun. It's so easy to, like, be a critic, right? So <laughs> the, the main point of the story, I think, is dead on. And they, and they say, you know, mobile should not be viewed as a discrete channel. Rather, it both connects consumers with more traditional channels and personalizes marketing in ways never before possible. It is not a dedicated channel, but an integrated channel. So, boom, thumbs up. Next paragraph. So to manage mobile well, we must consider the concept of marketing channels plus mobile. So now, to me, that is utterly 180 from what they just said. Because you, <laughs> you shouldn't be thinking about it as marketing channels plus mobile, which to me right. sounds like... That's not integrated. integrated. No, it's not. It's, it's incremental or, or additional or something. Yeah. You I know, know. The, I think the question for marketers isn't so much how do I leverage mobile as it is uh, what communication problems do I have right now that might benefit from a mobile strategy or mm-hmm. a mobile solution. So, yeah. uh, you know, wayfinding is one of those communication channels. And I know Google, for example, um, has a uh, beta out here recently that you may have heard of where they're um, taking their Google Maps and they're pushing it down to internal floor maps mm-hmm, of right, large buildings. Right. So you can, as a owner of a large building, say uh, hospitals are ideal, but colleges, shopping malls, so forth, you can upload your internal floor maps um, to uh, this beta project and then someone using Google Maps can just keep going plus, 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 and pass you know, from just seeing the satellite view of your building right into seeing a, uh, you know, an outline of, of where they're at and where they need to go. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. All right, one that's more. Something, that's something that, you know, there's no cost there. That's, that's a commitment of time from hospital marketers to follow up on uh, right. those options. Right. I want to I want to pass on one more thing and give Adam a chance to chime in here. I know we're getting to, to we're pushing the time, but we actually one of the great things about using LinkedIn for our podcast is that we're able to post the agenda ahead of time uh, and folks can weigh in before we even record. So I want to give a shout out to Chris Boyer, who posted this comment based on the agenda. Uh, awesome. Warren is a great guest. So he he saw the future and knew you'd be a great guest. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I love the article on mobile. I particularly would like to hear the podcast team's take on ways hospitals could embrace this. And then in quotes from the article, stores will become experiential centers instead of shopping centers. Consumers will enter bricks and mortar environments for a brand experience, not to make direct purchases, which they can do online much more efficiently. So Adam, didn't you have a couple comments on, on that part of the article? Uh, yeah, you know, I had, I had some comments, a couple comments on a couple other parts of the article. Um, you know, one was specifically around the, the advertising. One was about the ex- experiential, uh, experiential centers. Um, let's jump to that one. Um, you know, my, my first comment on the experiential center is, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to go somewhere to try out toilet paper before I buy it, right? But let's know? hope not. So the, tip, wow. the typical stuff that you're going to buy, um, you well, know, this you, is what Best Buy is having the problem with. Well, and exactly, people I mean, go to Best Buy, check it out, and then they go order it on ticket. Amazon. Right, but that's a big ticket purchase. If it's um, in, mm-hmm. in most cases, it's a TV, or you know, some cases it might be a smaller electronic. Maybe it's an Apple TV, and you went in there to check it out, or a Roku box, or something that's like you know, hundred bucks, which is basically disposable, uh, disposable electronics these days. Um, but I think I think for big ticket purchases, she's it is dead on. That's true. But for the for most of the stuff, the things that you buy day in and day out, 
Um, I don't think people are necessarily going to go to Target to experience things. You're going to go to Target or Walmart to, to load up your cart with some stuff that you need, not to, for the most part, to research electronics. I mean, th- there are electronics there. Maybe you would look at them. Um, you know, other big ticket things, maybe you're going to get a bike. You're going to go there and buy it. You're not necessarily yeah. going to go there and research it. Um, so I, I think there's, but how tru- does that there's translate? truth in it. Well, I, th- I think there's truth in it in that it's, you just have to be, you have to be mindful. You can't get into the mindset of all retail becomes this, this, um, that all brick and mortar stores become the place where you go to experience. I think some will be experience centers. Best Buy is a great example. Um, the Apple store is a great example, though. You might as well buy it when you're there because you're not going to save money buying it online. Um, but I think for the, for the typical mundane things that we do day in and day out, you know, 75 to 80% of our shopping, I think it's, it's not, we're not going to see radical changes in terms of people not necessarily buying that stuff at the store. Um, I think some of the changes we'll see are things like, like my wife and I, for example, are Amazon Prime uh, members, and we don't necessarily even go to the store at all for a lot of things. You know, we can get paper towels, uh, toilet paper, that kind of stuff online delivered for, you know, with free shipping uh, in two days. And we don't even have to, we don't have to go anywhere to experience it. Um, so I think we're going to see other shifts. And, and, and I might add that a lot of times we just use our phones to place those orders because you, you bring up Amazon, type in right. what you need, tap a button, and it's on its way. Um, so, you know, I think that... We might, we might see some uh, hospitals that are starting to dabble in, in things like this if, if we can make the leap there with uh, experiential centers. For example, I just read that uh, Memorial Hermann down in Texas was posting, uh, they did a, they did a um, surgery uh, tweet uh, cast, mm-hmm. uh, but they posted the images and the video on Pinterest. So um, I thought that th- there was some logic there that they were taking something, that, uh, elective surgery that other people might want to consider, and they were providing that experience for, you know, here's, you know, what it's all about. Um, here's, you know, how to learn more about what you might be considering doing for your bad hip, your bad knee, whatever. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe that's how hospitals become experiential centers. They use these visual mediums like Pinterest or uh, online video. Uh, we were talking earlier about what a hospital marketers need to be concentrating on you know, video. Video is the future, too. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. We are we are pushing our audience limits on time with great stuff, but I think we should probably wrap it up. Are you guys all right with that? Sure. Sounds good. All right. Well, Warren, thank you so much for joining us. That was incredible. We'll definitely have to have you back. Good. Love to be back. All right, and someday we'll. Are you going to be attending any of our conferences, the national conferences this year? Do you All know? Possibility. All right. Well, I'll I'll keep an eye out for you on the roster. I'll okay. be at least a couple of them, but uh, otherwise we'll have to find some way to uh, connect again in person. Good. All right. So for arrogant healthcare marketing bastards, this is Chris Bevelo, Adam Meyer, and go ahead, Warren. You can say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Warren Johnson. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.